relationship, I think, across the board for anyone who is entrusting their livelihood with someone should be the foundation. What that relationship looks like is trust. And so life will throw you curveballs. And so having someone that you trust and that soundboard towards those action steps can really help people take control of a situation they may not have planned for or expected. Welcome to the Community Conversation Podcast presented by Community America Credit Union. We have a compelling and impactful story to tell, and our goal with these conversations will never be to sell you something. We would rather have an important discussion with our very talented employees, leaders, members, community partners, and experts from a variety of industries and causes to help educate and inform you. Stay tuned at the end of the podcast for some important disclosures. Welcome back to another edition of the Community Conversation presented by Community America Credit Union. I'm your host today, Justin Rickliffs, friend and partner of Community America. Um, excited about today's conversation. And uh, as with all of our episodes, this one will add a lot of value to your life and your road to financial peace. Um, I'm here today with Ashley Dixon and Taylor Ahern, both are wealth advisors. Uh, at Wealth Management by Community America Credit Union. So um, without further ado, let's do some quick intro. So both are familiar voices that you guys have heard on the podcast before, uh, but remind us of, of uh, your story and, and your role. Ashley, you go first. Sure. Um, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to do this with you and Taylor. I, uh, I feel like I grew up in the financial world. I started in 2004 ran a number of different roles in the banking channel. And then as my career developed, I decided that I missed that interpersonal intimate relationship. And so I decided that wealth management could be the opportunity for me to still give my financial background, add value, and then create those meaningful relationships. Love it. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Taylor. So I am also a wealth advisor with Ashley. Um, I started in the industry by um, in college, I took a financial planning class, and I just instantly fell in love with it and um, went down that path. And through college, I got the opportunity to finan- um, help counsel college students out of debt. So mm-hmm. all these kids had taken so much student loans, I started with that. And then the relationship just developed from that to um, investment management company for a couple years and then on to wealth advisor. So um, just love working with people. And I truly believe anything is possible if you have a plan and same thing goes with money. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, awesome. So today's topic to set the stage is women in investing and women who invest. Um, so clearly having you two on as our experts and guides for the conversation will be amazing. So a little bit of context. So uh, clearly at times investing has historically been a male dominated field, both from a career perspective as well as personal finance. Um, however, Clearly, we've we've seen and are experiencing a, a rapid shift in the environment towards um, the positive power that women can have that are that are actively a part of investment conversations. So many things we can learn, many things I can learn even today from women like you two who invest, along with additional resources we're going to give as we 
um, encourage women to get started on their road to investments, no matter where they are in their life. So the jumping in question here, and, and maybe Taylor, you can take this first one. How did you personally get started with investing or, or some version of investing? Right. So it started really young, um, just simply with saving. So we had a local banker come to my elementary school. I want to say it was like second or third grade. Um, opened up our first checking accounts and it was so fun. Uh, my mom or my grandparents would each give me a couple bucks every couple weeks and we would go deposit it and we learned how to balance our checkbooks. I'm not sure anybody does that anymore, but it was so fun. Um, and I started saving, saving, and then I slowly, um, I would see my grandpa check his investments. Every time I was at his house, he'd be calling in that number, get his stock prices. And so I started seeing how you could make money. And so I started, Mm. I started with CDs and then I started, you know, investing in the next step up. And it was just so fun. When you see the accumulation of money, whether it's saving or investing, it just really gets you pumped up, especially when you're in middle school and you have money. And it just gave me so many opportunities going into college. And um, my goals have changed over the time, but it's so fun because it's still the same concept, whether um, it's a dollar, ten dollars. So I've I've just always been excited. It was really empowering to have my checkbook and have two dollars in it. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, My Mine was more of the savings. So I started with savings and I like to see accumulation and I'm one that I want to, I want to put work forward and then I want the work to continue to go on. Um, and so working for the funds, how can I make this grow as fast as it possibly can? And, um, that made me look at other resources, which then when you, um, use the internet and start seeing how, how can you make this money grow faster with the, the limited resources you have to put towards it? And um, the internet opens up to all these different toolkits. And so Mm. as I started exploring, I started identifying opportunities to learn about what diversification, um, how time horizon works, how, how all of these variables work together to give me great outcomes over time. Um, Along the way, it can be a cause some emotional ups and downs, Mm. but um, I had a plan in place, and so it kind of helped me stick to that plan. So that's awesome. I yeah. love those two stories. How it you as individual investor? Thank you for sharing. How about you as investment field, investment career path? Like, what was the? And you kind of touched on this a little bit in the intro, but would love to hear more around why you specifically chose this as as your career path. Uh, relationship first. And so growing up in the finance industry, you get to create a lot of relationships. And through that, you you meet people in all different stages of life. And it's exciting to celebrate these accomplishments um, and also be side by side with them when life throws them a curveball. And so, like I said, as I my career continued to grow, I found myself less in touch with my neighbor and, um, and so that joy of helping mm. people through their financial journey it was starting to go down. And so I knew change was necessary. And as I explored, I had a lot of connections because of my time in finance and wealth management opened their doors to me and gosh, I'll never <laughs> look back now. That's great. So, yeah. I love it. How about great. you, Taylor? Um, I started my career at an investment management company. Um, and it was a it was a real blast because I got to travel all over the country and meet with different people. So I started by um, actually meeting with financial advisors. So I was what I was a wholesaler, and so I would go and meet with these advisors and educate them on different products and plans and strategies and and help them uh, um, meet their clients' needs as an advisor. 
And then I transitioned to more of a, a direct client relationship where I met with clients. And so I traveled all over the country and worked with um, ultra high net worth individuals and helped them achieve their goals. And it was, a, it was really fun um, because what that opened my eyes to is you don't have to have some big fancy job um, to have a lot of money. It's simply living below your means. And so it was so fun to see everybody's story and it, you know, when you're younger, you just think you have to be some powerful attorney or doctor or something um, that's a high income earner. And it's more about just how you live your life and living mm -hmm. below your means and um, Community America. Um, I, I worked here actually probably over 10 years ago and um, I reconnected with a gentleman here and um, he invited me to come back about three years ago. And um, I now get to live and work in the same town and it is so fun. I don't have to get on an airplane <laughs> and um, it's fun to work with my, my local people, my neighbors and um, really get to know them all day, every day. I know, you know, they, they stop by the branch weekly and um, I feel like I know everything about them and I just, I love them and I love people and it, it's so fun to walk with him through life I met with a gal this morning and she's having more grandkids at it and every time I meet with her it's so fun because we're just telling the grandkids and her goals mm. to enjoy life with grandkids and it it's so fun and fulfilling that's awesome it's a beautiful segue because I, I think we're uh, what we'd love to explore with you too specifically is is this concept of the investment gap potentially at times, broad stroke, right? Not not every story, um, but that there are broadly these investment gaps, specifically with women. Um, women like your client this morning are living longer. Sometimes they don't know what steps to take, what accounts the spouse may or may not have, if there is a spouse, if uh, obviously every life story is different, but how are you two starting and, and the credit union um, specifically starting to help cover some of these investment gaps? So it's interesting. Um, Ashley and I were talking about this before this um, podcast and about uh, 10 years ago or so, I would say things looked a lot different. Mm. Um, I started in a call center and I remember I, I specifically would speak with men most often um, and I wouldn't hear from the, the woman of the family until unfortunately maybe it was too late and someone mm. had passed away and they didn't know the plan and they didn't know what was going on. And so um but I do think things are shifting. And um, one of my biggest pieces of advice is to um, a female that's in a relationship is to just get involved in the conversation if you're not already. So you don't have to fully understand the ins and outs of the plan, but go to the meeting, listen in, ask simple questions, um, and just start educating yourself. And so that was the gap I saw is women were statistically living longer, but hadn't started that financial planning as early as they needed to. And so um, you got to plan longer. You have to have more money. You have to think about, you know, after my husband's income, whether it's social security, job, whatever it may be has passed, how am I going to live? How are my expenses going to change? How, what is my income going to look like? And I'm, am I going to still be able to continue to live the life I want? And so um, that's the gap I've seen. But as Ashley and I were talking, I, I do think that shift is slow, slowly changing. Um, we, I get more calls from women than I ever have before. Yeah, I agree with that. And just to piggyback on that, um, a lot of times we see the women making the deposits. We're mm -hmm. seeing the women write the checks. We're seeing the women pay the bills. And and that's 10 years ago and still today. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they're they're kind of managing the household. And um, But when it comes to the investments, it, it, it's they're not as confident in making those decisions possibly. Um, and men 
to the same point, maybe have that overconfidence mm-hmm. in making those investments. Or and perceived so, overconfidence. Or perceived <laughs> overconfidence. Speaking from the male's Absolutely. point of view, just perceived at yes. times. And, um, and so they're, they're maintaining the household in one way or another, but then when it comes to those financial conversations, whether it's, um, yes, uh, there's a transition where one of the spouses passes away and how do we make these dollars work and how do I now make those conversations or have those conversations that I wasn't having during those active years or is it um, I'm going through a transition in my family and there's separation within the family and so now my income my assets are now split in half and what do I do from that point forward how do I take the first step and that's usually the hardest is what where do I go from here and um, how can I do it where maybe I don't look silly or I don't feel like I'm behind because money is relative, right? And so just because your neighbor has X amount of dollars, the lifestyle is really determines on if that's satisfying the lifestyle. So um, there's that. There's also maybe people who um, have focused on themselves and um, – they're they're finding value in traveling or whatever brings them joy and how do they navigate this solo so single households are having that challenge or a single mother since we're speaking about women their lifestyle looks a lot different than um, a two-income household and so you know if you see money investing is emotional and so even though we understand the long-term goal of investing and the opportunities investing comes, it, it becomes very emotional. And so to see money move up and down when you feel like you, that dollar means so much to you and you have to put food on the table and you have to care for everyone, that can be challenging. And so to take that chance or take that risk is a conversation that I think many could have as long as we identify the plan, which... Women, women can attach goals really well. And so that's something that, that is fun when we do get them in the door or when we pause and create that, that value add and then we just put action to it. Well, it's funny you say uh, they're so good at establishing goals. Um, when I have men and women come into my office, there's a couple of things that happen when they come in pairs. Um, the first one is when I ask them their goals, they kind of look at each other like, well, we didn't know uh, we were supposed yeah. to talk about that. And it's it's yeah. so funny because I was telling Ashley, I have to corner my husband sometimes to talk about like, what are our family goals? Like I want to, I want to put them on paper and I want to send them out. But when I ask women, they're typically very um, emotional and see a picture in their mind. So mm. Like my gal this morning, she's like, well, I want to be able to be at this um, at this grandchild's birth, and then I want to fly to this state to be at this grandchild's recital, and this, and they can really put an image to their their goal that they want, whereas men are like, I want X dollar amount. Yes. And I wouldn't say either is right or wrong necessarily, yep. but women kind of back into the goal from mm. um, an emotional standpoint. Yeah. yeah. And and men will say, well, I need this dollar amount and I can, I can go spend it on, you know, Whatever. my goals I have in yeah. mind. And so it's just um, attacking the goals is backwards. And there's no, I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong, but I, um, maybe it's because I'm a woman myself. I like starting with the picture of, okay, what do I see my life as? Do I see it in Florida? Do I see it in Missouri in retirement? Whatever the case may be. And then I kind of back into, okay, how much money will I need to fund those goals um, and different things like that. But I've always found it fascinating. Um, people don't communicate their goals as much as I feel like they should. And um, I was just um, 
talking to a girlfriend of mine and she had mentioned they have family meetings um, weekly. And so I think that could be something you easily bring up of, okay, um, you know, we're eating out too much. Let's, let's yep. cut down one meal and let's invest that $50 or whatever the case may be. And it could be so simple, but $50 a week can make a massive difference over Absolutely. 50 years. Okay. Maybe I'm asking here for my own personal story. Um, so my wife and I have five kids. She has um, primarily been stay at home, uh, working for, for clarity, working a million times harder than me and getting, <laughs> not no, getting he's paid. Gonna argue yeah. that. Yeah, right. um, she, she has, has quite literally kept us afloat. Right. Um, so deserves a million plus dollars every day, not just a year. So all the caveats aside, the, the topic around stay at home moms, how you have served counseled, been an advocate for it's, it's a, it's a tricky conversation, right? Because they, they aren't, earning an income and yet they should, no, nobody would argue with their, their value. Um, but how, what, what, what are some of the stories or ways that you've seen um, or conversations you've had with stay-at-home moms? Um, usually it starts with that encouraging it to have those courageous conversations with your um, spouse. And so um, I know we mentioned that earlier and as a household, you guys have individual goals and you have household goals or family goals. And sometimes if you feel like you can't express those goals or how dollars are being put to work, um, you can lose your voice. And Mm -hmm. so um, what we start with or what I encourage is to have, I I like talking to both spouses. So I like having these conversations with both spouses, getting both perspectives um, and, and creating the safe space where they can start having or initiating these conversations, finding where we are today, and then encouraging them to continue to have these conversations outside of my office. Um, and th- there's just so many opportunities that maybe people might not be aware of when it comes to a one income household. Right. And so if I was able to talk to a stay-at-home mom right now, um, I would tell them that I think um, everybody agrees that they are just important and bring in just as much money to that household, just in a different way. And so when I think about saving, sometimes I'll see maybe it's kind of the husband's plan and then the wife stays home. And um, and I don't think that that's necessarily on purpose. I don't think anybody's trying to do anything bad, but um, you forget you can open up a retirement account for a stay-at-home spouse. And obviously you would want to consult an advisor, um, financial advisor and tax advisor before you do any of this. But um, you there are a lot of tools that we can use to still save and it should be both your plans, both in on the meetings, both talking Mm -hmm. about goals. It should not be driven by one person because it's just a type of a different type of benefit they're bringing to the table. And I think that's kind of the person that slips um, between the cracks the most. Um, And our world is that stay at home mom and I want them to be more involved in anything. Oh yes. Um, Because I was just telling you, I stayed home with my daughter for the past 10 days and that is a challenge. Um, It was a blast, but I just, um, sometimes I think because they aren't physically bringing in the money, maybe they don't deserve to contribute to an account for themselves. And they absolutely do. Absolutely. And the the, um, conversation shifts when they both get to be a part of the goal planning. And so it it is interesting to watch that and, and watch them bring some of that to the table and watch them encourage that knowledge and encourage that participation. So it does change the dynamic. Um, and it, 
to what you said. I don't think it's anyone doing ill will. And it's sometimes a um, aha moment for both of them. Being like, oh, why'd we leave this so compartmentalized? Absolutely. I want to listen. What is important to you? And and giving permission to share is sometimes all they need. Well, and I think sometimes um, missed opportunities. So I was just talking to a a coworker actually, and um, he was like, well, my wife may go back to work. Because then when you think about the money or something else that could to come the benefits after staying at home if they're in school Mm -hmm. or, you know, just talking about, gosh, if I did, you know, do a little side hustle for fun, I could contribute an extra vacation a year, whatever the case may be, or five years early retirement. Um, And not saying they have to, but when you just look at the opportunities, um, there's a lot of benefits to just evaluating your opportunities. Yes. Uh, It feels pretty clear that, again, generally speaking, the, the perspective of a woman, and I'm married to a very smart, intuitive, um, strong-voiced woman who has very clear, uh, a very clear voice and a very clear perception and perspective, uh, forgive me, on, on where our future, what it looks like. And, and, it, and, and it, to use your language, Ashley, around investing is emotional. And, and it's also practical, but, mm-hmm. but it, it is first emotional. Always. And, and to give that voice and that validation and that freedom to speak clearly and boldly and confidently um, requires vulnerability, it requires Absolutely. some initial reach out, some initial like get out of my head, out of the emotion and into uh, a conversation. And you guys have already shared amazing examples, but I'm curious to hear about the, the female perspective as it relates to vulnerability and investing, what does that, what does that provoke for y'all? Um, well, when I think of vulnerability, um, especially when it comes to those courageous conversations um, that I've been blessed to be a part of is the laying it on the table. And so um, money's emotional and talking about it, whether you have a lot of it where you think you don't have enough of it or you're just, you know, <laughs> making ends getting meet. By, yeah. Uh, yeah, getting by, it it's tough. And so um, my experience with that goal planning, because I am a financial planner first, which means that I, I think that if we can have that conversation and identify where you're at today mm-hmm. will help us find out where we want to be tomorrow. And so women c- can be vulnerable and say – here's what I have, here's where I want to be, and I know I need to make big moves in order to get that. Um, And sometimes, because being vulnerable can be scary, it's not as easy maybe for everyone. And so um, women can just sometimes be, here's where I am, or I have no idea where I'm, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so education becomes, you know, the top priority before we even get into planning. Let's just Let's just understand what our options are and what they look like, what they feel like, and what the potential is. I completely agree. And I guess my my advice, based off what Ashley um, has said, is, like you said, women may not understand, and and whether it's women or men, quite frankly, you need to go out and find an advisor that just will help educate you. And so it was so funny. We were talking about um, our, our doctors, and um, I think back of I know nothing about. Mm. I knew nothing about having a child before I did, and um, I needed a doctor because I 
just didn't know much. And I needed one that would sit down and explain, okay, the results were this, but here's what it really means. Here's when you need to worry. Here's not when you need to worry. And if it wasn't for her, uh, just a one test result could be alarming, but she stepped back and really explained, Hey, this is okay. Most people have this. And so it's the same concept with investing is, um, I'll have someone that, that calls me and just doesn't know anything. And I kind of educate them and, and walk through it. And I am always shocked too. Some women don't have the confidence in what they've saved throughout the years. And I'll show them you can Great. do everything you yeah. want. I yeah. mean, um, I <laughs> had a gal, right. I will never forget. I did a plan for her and I got to tell her she can retire um, early. She went in and quit her job the next day. That's awesome. And it, it's just so funny because when she originally came to me, she was so fearful about retirement and that she hadn't done enough. And, um, she had done a phenomenal job. She just didn't realize it. And so, um, she just needed someone to help talk to her and educate her. And so my advice for anybody that's just unsure and, and wants to share their information is open to it. Find someone that will listen to you, mm -hmm. talk through it and then education. Cause I would say the bulk of my, um, first, second meetings are education. And then throughout my entire life with my client, um, we go through the history of the stock market and what causes what, and especially lately with all the volatility, we kind of talk about what has caused this? Why is it, you know, are we looking at just the next year returns or do you care about the next 10 years? And so um, it, we talk about what the long-term goal is. And, and I mean, Ashley probably has that conversation 10 times a day. Like I do is we have to remember what the end game is. Yep. That's great. I love that. How, how do you, walk. I, I love the, the analogy or metaphor of the physician, right? Like um, having the courage and the conversation to stay in and say, hey, this is what you can expect. We can't predict everything. We don't, we can't guarantee anything, but typically this is the path. This is the journey. This is the, the arc of the story, right? How do you counsel and, and, and advise clients, specifically female clients around risk, around risk tolerance, around um, the, the, the relationship that they have with risk. So I always go back in history and kind of show them, um, I look at 2008 and say, okay, if you started investing today and 2008 happened tomorrow, here's why you should be scared or why not. So if you're investing today, 2008 happens tomorrow, but you're only 30, it's no big deal. You're going to continue adding to the market. You've got time on your side. Um, and then we always talk about, gosh, is this all your money? Is it just a portion? We really make it relative. So if you've built your emergency savings fund, you're saving in your 401k, you're making enough income to meet your needs and still saving. If your investments or your 401k, whatever the case may be, if it's down and you have another 30 years to till retirement. And then they say, Oh, well, then I guess I don't care. Um, but if they are closer to retirement, I say, Okay, if 2008 happens, here's the risk we're taking, here's how it would happen. Uh, here, here's how your portfolio would be affected. Um, would you need to take the full lump sum? Would you just need little income payments? Do we have cash set aside for this exact scenario? And usually when we talk back through the plan, they realize, Oh, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. But on the flip side, if you haven't done that, um, that's, I also have that same conversation. Um, if you're an extremely aggressive portfolio, you're close to retirement, maybe you should be a little nervous and reevaluate. And it's not a bad thing, but it's a, it's a good opportunity to reevaluate what you're in. Um, so just understanding why you chose what you chose, how it may react in different cycles of the market, and understanding um, the first thing and the most important thing I would say when you're emotional about it is remember 
This is long term. Yeah. So even if I have a gal that's in my office at 65, I'm still going to expect her to live another 20 years. Mm. And so although the next two years could be scary, I'm planning for the next 20 plus. Yeah, that's a, it is interesting how when we transition to retirement, we forget that our money still needs to work for us because inflation and expenses still happen. Um, but when I kind of evaluate, I, I balance what Taylor just said, but I, I try to explain that there's there's two matrices well, three that we kind of look at. So we look at risk tolerance, which is what is your willingness to take risk and then your risk capacity? What risk can you take? And sometimes those can be uneven. And so mm. so then we just talk through how, how can we marinate and marry the two? And, and that usually helps us understand, okay, here's what I'm comfortable doing and here's what I can do. And then we kind of start from there. And then we say, okay, based on our comfort level and based on where what how much risk we can take does this look like we can continue to meet our goals by taking this amount of risk okay and so it there there's the risk capacity the risk tolerance but then there's also the um keeping your feet on the ground and saying <laughs> if i if i move forward with this are these value adds or are these grand options when I transition to retirement, are those an option with the amount I'm saving my savings rate, right? And so um, I think that's what's nice about creating a plan when you're looking at your long-term future is there's so many moving parts and and a plan by default will always be fluid, okay? Life is full of predictable, unpredictable situations, okay? (laughs) So so we... um, we have to be fluid, but if we have a target in mind, we find what our peace of mind mm. is and what we're able or our capacity is, then we can marry all three of them and, mm. and kind of move forward. But it's, it is very intimate um, and it, it can shift. And so just because you feel like you can take a lot of risk at one point, it does not mean that you're stuck in that plan. And so as you continue to move forward towards that time horizon and that that you know, that beach of, of not having to answer emails or pick up phone calls um, and be at every soccer game, um, whatever that looks like for you, um, that risk may go down. And also, to your point, Taylor, like your client that's saved really well, when you save really well, you might not have to take risk, mm. right? And so then it's a choice, right? Just like, do I have to work? Why not have to work? It's a different mentality, right? And so totally. I, I think you can kind of play between between each situation and identify. But peace of mind, I would say, is most important. And then you can transition how that, that looks long term. That's wonderful. The The concept of being rooted, you, you both have said this several times, but I want to highlight it. Being rooted in the relationship, being relationship first, wealth advisors. What does that look like and again I know we're, we're painting with big broad brush strokes here but in the season of a of a woman's life what what is the relationship she has with her wealth advisor um, why is that important and why is it rooted in relationship um, so uh, oh, no. <laughs> sorry um, I um, relationship I think across the board for anyone who is entrusting their livelihood with someone is is should be the foundation. Um, what that relationship looks like is trust. And so um, life will throw you curveballs. 
And those curveballs can be very detrimental, not only to you emotionally, but financially as well. And so having someone that you trust and that you feel comfortable having those courageous conversations and letting it out only allows opportunity for change, opportunity for positive action. Um, And that soundboard towards those action steps can really help people take control of a situation they may not have planned for or expected. Um, And for women and for men, honestly, this is probably just as equal on both, but I think women, and I'm just speaking on behalf of my experience, we trust our tuition, intuition. And so that intuition, when you have that trust, you're going to be more forward thinking and and be able to share that information quickly. Um, And for men, I think it's even more important to try to create those trust relationships Mm. because it might not be as, you might not think of your financial advisor when you get a curveball immediately. You might just try to handle it and take steps and those critical conversations could help you. That's right. Start yeah. your foot on the right path. Yeah, so. I I ask my clients for a handful of reasons, um, and and to call me when a life change happens, and um, obviously I, I care and I want to know, um, but I would say the the main reason is I need to evaluate. Do I need to change their plan? Mm-hmm. Um, have they lost a job that's going to prompt me to make a, a change in their risk tolerance or their portfolio or something along those lines? Um, or have they made a change that they just need to talk through? So I think of a gal, she took a lower paying job because she was so stressed out. She told me about it for years and she said, I'm, you know, I'm still a little worried about this change. And I said, we plan for this. Mm -hmm. You don't need to worry. You've got a plan in place. We've talked about your savings rates. Yes, they will change a little bit. Um, but together we had the conversation of, is this going to be healthier and happier for you? The answer is yes. Um, and so I would say, cause people will say, how do I know when I need to change my, um, investments? And one of the number one drivers is life changes. Yep. And so is it retirement? Is it baby? Is it grandchild? Mm-hmm. Is it loss of a job? Whatever the case may be. And so I, as an advisor may not know to change their plan if they're not correctly communicating with me. And so, um, most of my clients, I come in at least once a year at a minimum and mm-hmm. we just have the conversation of what's new. Are you yep. worried? Are you stressed? Have you moved? Whatever it may be. And I, I would say my, my woman, my women follow that a little bit better. I'll get random emails. Hey, um, just quit the job or Hey, um, one gal, um, just adopted a dog, just, you know, whatever the case may be. And I, I love it cause it makes me happy. Um, and th- that's kind of the part of the job that f- fulfills me. So sure. maybe, uh, that's why I love it so much, but I also need to know, cause sometimes I'll get an email and I'll, I'll pick up the phone immediately and say, Hey, you mm-hmm. need to get in here. We need to reevaluate your way, your plan. Mm-hmm. Um, not bad, but we need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so well said. How do, we got to wrap here soon, but thinking about, we've, we've spent a bunch of time talking about the last five to 10 years or kind of this historical relationship women have had with investing. What do you imagine the, the next five to 10 look like as you survey and kind of see the horizon um, as you see it now, of course, like what, what, what gets you excited about this topic? I love the young generation coming in. They are powerful. Um, and both 
men and women, it is fun. Um, they're more educated than ever on finances. Mm -hmm. um, I would say they still lag because not every maybe university or school system teaches it to the extent maybe they should. Um, but it's it's fun when um, a young woman calls you and she's, I had a, a gal call me, she's got her first job. She's like, I don't know what to do, but I want to do it. Yeah. And so it's fun because we start with the bas basic of a budget and she's starting off on her own and, and she is very independent. And, you know, whether that will transition into being a um, single or life, married, family, um, it's so fun because I will get to walk through hopefully the rest of my career with this young woman. Mm. And um, women are more eager than ever. And like Ashley yeah. said, I've seen them run uh, more the day-to-day -day financials. Um, but the shift into the investment side is a blast. And um, women are really calm with the risk. And I would say, when you look at when you compare men and women, um, most men are more aggressive, but most men, in, in my opinion, tend to be more emotional when the market gets rocky. Mm. And I've got my women sitting back here saying, hey, I went with slow and steady wins the race. Mm. I feel calm. Um, I'm going to call my advisor, make sure nothing's wrong because they're OK with checking in sometimes a little bit more and sharing their, their emotions they are going through. Um, but the women are doing a, a great job and they're yeah. coming in excited and and ready to roll. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they say that women, you know, you, they tend to settle on their investment and then hold, which does provide some great returns and allows you to study because you're looking at the long term. And, and I, I would agree complete with, with that. And we work, um, we're fortunate enough to work for Community America and um, Community America tends to have a lot of strong women figures. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that it creates more young women who are like, you know what, I, I feel empowered and um, there, there's, there's things that I can move forward with and, and I want to learn more and I want to do more because frankly I can. And, um, and so I don't know if it's just the blessing because of where we were located, but I, I do see a lot, um, an influx of women of all ages, to be honest, wanting to have those courageous conversations and, and start investing and not just investing in their 401k, but they want to look at other investment options outside of their 401k, which I think is really neat and in a shift. Um, so that, that is really neat um, and fun to be a part of. That's great. Th this has been a wonderful conversation that we could continue for a long time. Um, but practically where can folks reach out and connect either to you too, or, or, or broadly to the, uh, to community America in, in in specific, um, how, how would you recommend folks reach out and find a wealth advisor? So I would say it depends on maybe where you're located and what you want. So um, you can stop by a local Community America branch. Obviously, we'd love to have you reach out to Ashley or myself. Um, you go to the website and you can read about all the advisors. And I would say we're all a little bit different. Um, but at the end of the day, we mostly do the same thing. But I know we've talked about um, relationships and finding someone you can connect with and trust with and that you're comfortable with. I would say that's one of the most important things. So um, there's online requests, there are emails are on there, phone numbers I believe are also on there. Give us a call and, and whether, sometimes we get, I get a lot of calls that they may not be ready to invest that day, but I can kind of guide them on, okay, here's the steps I think you should take over the next six months, then give me a call. Um, and I just had a young gal do that 
And she just left me a voicemail um, a couple of days ago and she's like, okay, I did this and this and this. I'm ready to meet again. And so um, even though if we can't so- start that day, we'll give you advice and help get you on your way. So I would say the website's the best um, or walk into the branches if you need to and um, we'll take good care of you. That's awesome. What other resources, books, blogs, podcasts, topics, um, where where else would you recommend if, if people are thirsty and hungry for education in this particular topic? Where would you point folks? Um, there's, there's so many resources and books. I really like the psychology of money is a great basic, um, book that just kind of helps you understand the emotional ties of investing, which is ultimately the core. And once you get comfortable and understand how investing works, I think you're more engaged in the investing opportunities available. I love, um, podcasts. And so Morningstar is one I I try to listen to. Um, They've got two. One's called The Long View. One's called Simple But Not Easy. Um, Other resources, um, calling and starting to talk, I would say, is the best resource to somebody. Um, And so even if you're talking to one of the bank representatives that's going to sit down with you and go over budgeting, um, they also are trained to help kind of direct you in, okay, who do we need to send to you next? Why? Um, But just simply starting the conversation somewhere. It's awesome. Um, last question. If you had to sum this whole wonderful conversation in a pretty bow <laughs> or one, one takeaway, what would you, what would you encourage our listeners to do? Don't wait, take action, find someone you trust or an entity you trust or a family member and just have that conversation. It, it'll lead you a lot of different ways. And I think they'll add value to you. I agree. Um, Starting that and um, just thinking about your goals and kind of dreaming, um, taking, to me, that's one of the first steps is thinking about why I want to do it and kind of finding your why and then starting the conversation like Ashley said. Yo, we're amazing. This is so helpful. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your time. Um, Thank you for listening to another edition of the Community Conversation presented by Community America. Ashley, Taylor, thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. This podcast is brought to you by Community America Credit Union. This recording is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to replace the advice of a loan representative or financial advisor. The examples provided are for illustration purposes only and may not apply to your situation. Since every situation is different, we recommend speaking to a loan representative or financial advisor regarding your specific needs. You may also want to contact your tax advisor for additional tax implications. Any reference to third-party websites are provided for information purposes only and are not endorsed by Community America. Please visit communityamerica.com to learn more about how we can assist you in achieving your financial peace of mind.